Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, they get it. A miracle. Legends. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it off. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the Monday college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me as they do each and every Monday, BJ Cunningham, Mike Calabrese, both showing up to work the day after the Super Bowl as the professionals that they are. Mike, how's it going? Going pretty good. I had uh, a near big hit in the Super Bowl. I had Odell first touchdown of the game and then Rams minus three and a half. So, of course, that came to pass with the missed extra point, but them's the breaks betting football. So I'm going to survive. I got funny college basketball to, to soothe, soothe the, uh, the wounds there. Yeah, I had uh, I'm still upset that I had Stafford under five and a half rushing yards and the Bengals don't use a timeout in the Super Bowl. Like I, every single team in the in, in any football level, even you make them to take one more knee, especially the Super Bowl. You just never know. Um, and of course, they graded his final knee down as one yard, not two. And uh, I was also the victim of Mahomes having kneeling it three times for negative fourteen yards to lose uh, over twenty nine and a half by a hook a couple of years ago. So that was fun. Um, but that's what happens sometimes. PJ, how are you? Pretty good. Finally, happy to have uh, this, you know, NFL over as somebody who doesn't cover the NFL. It's very uh, nice to finally shine the attention now on college basketball. It was a fun Super Bowl. Uh, you know, obviously I had the Bengals plus four, but would have loved to see them win. And I'm looking online today. It looks like Aaron Donald was offsides on fourth and one. So uh, I'm sure that's going to be a little knife in the, the heart of Cincinnati fans. But yeah, looking forward to uh, college basketball here going forward uh, to this stretch run to March. You put chili on spaghetti. Sometimes you create your own fate. All right. Um, let's, we're going to talk some spots we have circled for today, tomorrow. But first we'll talk, uh, get a little rant. And but let's talk about something important that you learned, a big takeaway from the past week or so. Mike, I'll throw it to you. Anything you want to throw out there? So I really liked what two teams did on Saturday when they weren't necessarily being carried by their long distance shooting. And that was Arizona and Auburn. I've kind of ragged on Auburn a little bit in the last couple episodes that 
They nearly lost by shooting their way out of games against Mizzou and against Georgia, and they were able to hold down the fort, you know, in the last few minutes. But what I like about their performance, I think they went like three for 25 against AM and they whooped them. I mean, obviously Kessler with the triple-double with the blocks, but to me, it's just an indication that they don't need all those shots to go down. And also Jabari Smith not falling in love with the three the entire game and kind of throwing them out of their offensive rhythm. So that was that was a nice um, indicator for me moving forward for Auburn. And also Arizona, they found themselves down 14 to a pesky Washington team. I'm not sure a lot of people have watched Washington play this year, but their point guard is tremendous. And you know, they're, they're able to give teams some problems and for them to fall down 14 and only make eight threes on the game and win going away and scoring 92 points to Bellis was incredible in that game. That was another good sign to me. I think Balo had 10 off the bench. So their bigs were contributing in a way that was necessary for them to, to win decisively. So impressed with those two top five teams, obviously they're driving towards the number one seed. And I want to see them be able to win when they're not necessarily playing their A game. Yeah. Can Auburn do it consistently away from home? <laughs> Um, is the question because I think they're now 12 and one against the spread at home this year. And the one, the one loss was North Alabama who finished on a four Oh run in the final five minutes to lose by 28 and they were catching 29, I think. Um, so they've been tremendous at home, but yeah, the, all the pieces are there. It just, can they do it consistently away on the highway? BJ, what do you got? Uh, my big takeaway, I think everything kind of went according to plan on Saturday. There wasn't too many like big upsets or things that I was too shocked about. But the one thing I took away is that Baylor is in trouble. You know, losing to Chua was, is massive for them. He's obviously their best rebounder, their best interior defender. Baylor was second in the country, uh, after Saturday in, you know, offensive rebounding percentage. So that's going to dramatically go down They're around middle of the pack in the big 12 in defensive rebounding percentage. So that's obviously going to drop off. And I think I've said it a few times, but Baylor allows the fifth highest field goal percentage at the rim in the entire country. So losing to Chua is just massive on so many levels for them. And I think it kind of ends their national title hopes. They're not really a team I'm going to be buying going forward. Maybe even they might even, you know, uh, be in trouble to lose the big 12 title. So when we get to tournament time and Baylor is, you know, two, maybe a three seed or whatever, given the, the right matchup, I think they'll be uh, a quick exit for the defending champs. Uh, yeah, Mike, any thoughts on Baylor? I, I agree. This was a team I was already selling on. And to lose that that centerpiece, I, I just don't see how they're going to be able to move anything around from a, a scheme perspective and certainly not personnel. So I, I'm totally with you. And this is the time of year when I do like to circle those first weekend possible exit teams. And I think it's not going to take an insane three-point performance by a mid-major to get it done. As you mentioned, you know, you can get inside and you can score on these guys. So I, I'm with you on that. I think I'll also bake that into some of the plays that I have in the Big 12 tournament because there's going to be that that recency bias of them being the defending national champs that the casual fans going to come in and, and just try to advance them through you know the first couple of rounds of the Big 12. But I don't see that being uh, you know an easy proposition for them. Michigan State's one of the teams that I have circled for that first round. I think that they're a terrible team. It's one of Izzo's least talented teams. I think. Um, I, I got to give credit to Memphis, who's now back. Uh, I, I got to check out Brack and Matrix, but they're back in the discussion, I assume, on the bubble. They're finally healthy. Bates felt like he was kind of maybe cancerous, but everyone else back, huge win against a, a Houston team that was coming off of a loss. And Colorado State winning at Boise. I know Boise didn't have uh, their full arsenal of weapons available, but I think that locks Colorado state into the tournament and they're a dangerous team. Um, so I think of those two 
teams won the weekend. Um, BJ, any thoughts up there? Yeah, I agree. That was a huge win by Colorado State. Uh, obviously, the Mountain West is going to get a ton of teams in, and a lot of these teams are incredible defensive teams. Uh, so look out for that in the tournament, uh, especially teams that play these type of uh, slow paces. But I agree with a huge win. Uh, it's funny because I think last Monday I was I said uh, look out for for Houston. I think they are still you know a national title contender, and of course uh, they dropped two straight games. So you know maybe take my little Baylor analysis with a grain of salt. Start buying Baylor. Um, yeah, start buying Baylor. Yeah, yeah uh, Houston. I think you know now if you look at a lot of their advanced metrics, they don't really look like uh, a team that can potentially win the national title. And I think just a lot of their injuries are finally catching up. Like I, I, yeah. I kept being shocked. Like, does it not matter? How does it not matter that they've lost all these pieces and they just keep dominating? But they were doing it against a lot of you know subpar competition. And maybe everything is catching up to them. All right. Uh, before we get to some spots in circle tonight and tomorrow, rant something you want to yell, scream about. All right, let it out. This is your rant of the week. I'll start and. Um, I could go Moorhead State against uh, Mary State, which is just brutal. Covering the entire game until the final seconds. You're down two. They miss a wide open layup, by the way. Wide open. Um, I could have made it. And uh, then you get the, you're down two. They got a foul and uh, just but wait, just pull. You go go for the upset. Pull the three. You're a dog. Know the spread. You're a dog catching three. You're up two. Do whatever your other team does. That. When I actually bet on them um, and need a bucket and they just settle for a, a 50-footer contested, that's fine. Go for the win. Get selfish if you're a three-point dog. You're covering there. You can be a hero. Uh, but Georgia Tech was brutal uh, because they get that. They're down two with like three to go, catch a nine and a half. And I just – I need to get this out there. I don't know if there's any uh, players that listen to me. One time in, I learned my lesson in 2012, I said uh, – this guy, a guy in Long Beach State, he's probably, he's probably listening to this. Uh, I said, he has the most punchable face. And um, we still laugh about it today. He played on Long Beach State and was following me. And then, like, a couple years later, when he was out of the school, he, like, screenshot. He's like, do you remember this? We, my friends, we still laugh about this. Uh, so, anyway, um, so maybe someone's listening. Virginia Tech, excuse me, Georgia Tech against Virginia. They're down eight with... 14 seconds to go. They miss a shot. Okay, some prayer three. And then they all back off. Okay, cool. The game's over. They're down eight. You're down eight with 12, 12 seconds to go. It's over. Someone runs from off the screen to foul. Virginia obviously makes both wins by 10. Georgia Tech really wanted the foul so that they could take a bad mid-range uh, jumper down 10 at the bell. Um, just stop. Just stop with the fouls. Stop with the foul nonsense. The game is over. You're down eight. Can we take some signs from the NBA? It's under 20 seconds. It's an eight-point game. Good night. Get out of there. What are you doing? So, yeah, those two suck because they were huge swings for me on Saturday. Mike? UCLA, uh, I'm so frustrated with them because I, I put together my, my card with uh, Tanner McGrath, the, the pick-and-roll piece. That was my our last pick of the weekend. And then you get the news that Mobley is out. And Evan Miyakawa, he's this guy who does like statistical analysis for sports on Twitter. He's a really good follow. He put together his list statistically of the most indispensable players in the entire country. And for USC, Mobley is, I think, fourth nationally. How do they you almost, let, they almost lost the Pacific at home the game before I, without him? I, 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 I cannot put it together how UCLA let Peterson just murder them all night. Like 
you knew offensively they had no shot unless he had a huge game. And beyond just making the shots, denying the basketball, like you can't let him take, I think he took like 20 shots in the game. It was ridiculous. And then on top of it, you know, Hawkes like just shot his way out of the game. They even had a lead. I think it was like 45, 43, something like that halfway through the second half. And then they just totally fall apart. Can't get any buckets anyway. This is a Ken Palm team that's top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency in a rivalry game, a rival that's beat them, I think five out of six or five straight, like everything was there for them to play inspired basketball. So I, I'm just incredibly frustrated with the Bruins. I don't really know how to, to go ahead and slot them for the tournament, you know, once they get to the big dance, because obviously they have the experience, they have the skill, they've been able to put it together. You know, McCronin has, has proven that he can coach, but a performance like that is such a head scratcher for me. I don't know how to evaluate it. And as you mentioned, a USC team that we were ready to say like, okay, this is more like an eight or nine seed and not a top four seed. And now what do you do with the Trojans? So just a lot of confusion for me on the Pac-12. Boogie, yeah, Boogie Ellis uh, went 0 of 7, didn't score in the game. Um, and yeah. USC still won. Yeah, that, <laughs> it, was a, it was a rough weekend for the Pac-12. I mean, you have Washington State and Oregon who played tonight, both getting upset. Um, so, yeah, the Pac-12, I, as confused uh, as you, you are and as confused as I've been all year trying to figure out what exactly is going on in that league. BJ, anything you want to rant about? Well, it was Moorhead State, um, and I don't, I don't know if you know this, but uh, now the, the two games that Moorhead State has played against Murray State, they've covered both but have been covering for, I believe, a total of 20 seconds the, yeah. the entire time. There was a dunk at the end. There was a yeah. dunk at the end, right, by Murray? The yeah. First one. But I'm going to spin this a little differently. I'm going to try to give some positivity to this uh, segment. I on Saturday it's, it's it was, Valentine's Day. You I know it's Valentine's Day, right? Yeah. So on Saturday, I think I had three of the most miracle covers I've had all season long. Indiana State went on an 11-0 run, covered by one at minus two and a half. Uh, Providence and DePaul went into overtime to hit the over. Navy missed two free throws at the end, below Army to cover plus three and a half. And I think it's just a good lesson that, you know, every time throughout college basketball season, it always seems like things are, are going against all of us. Obviously, that's why we do the rant here every single Monday, because bad beats always happen. But they can work the other way as well. Regression moves the other way and you can actually get some that luck back going forward. So maybe this is some of my, you know, Midwestern optimism coming out here. But stay positive to everybody out there. It's going to turn if you're having a bad run or if the things are if the luck is bouncing your way. It always tends to even out. So. And the power of positive thinking is a great thing to everybody out there. If you believe that good things are going to happen, they usually do. So on, on this Valentine's Day, I guess I'll add a little positivity that, hey, luck can happen for you as well. Yeah, don't, I haven't had one of those in a month, but they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> happen. And then, you, then you forget about well, them, and then you're, but you think they're, they're normal. But, uh, yeah, I'll try out this power of positive thinking. I, I, I was positive that um, Moorhead State was going to make the wide open layup. But um, maybe I should have at least shoot it at the buzzer. That's that's oh. just just shoot it yes. at the buzzer or get that's the all. offensive rebound and missed again. Just. Uh, all right. But yeah, power, power, positive thinking, spread love. It's Valentine's Day. But let's move on to some more actionable stuff for today and tomorrow. Um, let's talk. It's not the greatest slate tonight, but there's games to bet on. <laughs> Sounds like a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Weekend's over. Let's break down Big Monday. Um, what do you have circled? Anything you want to point out? I'll start with you, Mike. 
So I think this is a net crack game for Davidson. They're playing against a Duquesne team that's uh, Duquesne. I was actually pretty high on last year. They had uh, some nice defensive pieces and due to graduation, they've just fallen off a cliff. And this is a Davidson team that for a while was one of the you know top five, close to number one shooting efficiency team in the entire country. And they've just been in a real funk, you know, the last five or six games, they've had some near misses where they nearly lost to Fordham and George Washington and, they haven't shot over 35% from three-point range except for one outing, I think, in the last six or seven. This is a team that you just can't hold down long-term, in my opinion. So I think this is an opportunity to grab a Davidson team at home that's hungry to win maybe 20-plus points. I see them winning going away in this one. Hunjun Lee came off a game on Saturday against Rhode Island. He went 0 for 5 for 3. I, I just I see this as a bounce-back spot, so I'm all over the Wildcats. Hey, Jack, what do you got to talk about tonight? I'm going to stay in the A-10. I like Rhode Island at home, plus two against Dayton. Uh, pretty good spot here for Rhode Island. Finally got, ended their losing streak, beating Davidson at home this weekend. Uh, another fantastic uh, matchup for them, especially defensively. Uh, Dayton loves to get out in transition. In fact, they're the number one team in the A-10 and points per possession transition offense. But Rhode Island, number one team in the conference in transition defense. Dayton doesn't shoot a lot of threes, uh, but they are hitting over 40% in conference play. That is obviously not sustainable. Uh, and now they're facing the second best three point defense in the a 10 as Rhode Island is only allowing around 31% in league play. This is a revenge spot for Rhode Island who lost by two at Dayton, despite holding Dayton to only 33% from inside the arc, uh, which is no surprise because Rhode Island is 13th in the country in two point field goal percentage allowed Dayton also turning the ball over at one of the highest rates in the conference while Rhode Island is second in turnover percentage on defense. So, a really good spot here for Rhode Island to uh, you know, get back-to-back wins. Dayton uh, obviously coming off you know back-to-back road games, so I like Rhode Island plus two at home. Rhode yeah, Island's they, interesting, too, just to, to hop in. Um, just researching them for their piece against Davidson on Saturday. Some incredible melts in the last month yep. where if, if they even score two or three buckets instead of going on five and eight-minute scoreless streaks, they're probably getting one or two more wins. So I think it is a, a team that's it's a good spot to buy low on them because if they're able to put it together as they did on Saturday, I think they offer a lot, you know, from a value perspective. Yeah. One of their problems is free throw shooting, which might contribute to some of those melts, but yeah, this Dayton's really relied on getting to the rim for their offense. And you can't really do that against Rhode Island. It's incredible interior defense. And, but Rhode Island might have some trouble scoring. I mean, this could just be an uh, What was the first score? We had to be 53 50 to 51 Rhode Island only made two threes, I believe, and shot nine free throws. So who knows? Yeah, this, <laughs> Hopefully they, this, yeah. this, this one could be ugly. Same with Virginia, Virginia tech. I swear whenever Virginia and Virginia tech play the game is like 48 to 45 final. Um, I, I'm going to go. I think that there's, this might be a good chance to, well, here's, here's, I'll give you two. Creighton, Georgetown, it's one of these situations. Maybe, and maybe you go Georgetown first half. They seem to be melting, completely melting down in the second half. They go bad. They just look like they run out of gas. Maybe you go Georgetown first half. But it's one of these spots where, you know, they were just catching four at home. And now, you know, it's 11 on the road. But it's the same travel. You just played them. Both teams are going from Georgetown to Creighton. So I think in these these um, rare, they don't, they only really happen because of COVID and rescheduling over the past two seasons. But I think a lot of times home court gets overvalued because it's the, it's the same spot for both teams. Uh, it's not like I think there's going to be an incredible Creighton crowd to, for a, a bad Georgetown team. So uh, Creighton just made every shot. They made every three, and they haven't been making threes at all this year. So I think maybe Georgetown has some value. Maybe you go first half. 
Oklahoma State's also intriguing. I think this line is a little high against Kansas. And because you look at Oklahoma State, they're, they're an interesting handicap because they can't go to the postseason. So, you know, they have a lot of talent. They, they need to get to the rim. And you, I think you can, you can do that against. I think Kansas is pretty, a little soft at the rim. And this is like their Super Bowl, right? You play, you play Kansas at, at Allen Fieldhouse. Um, you, know, you can't go to the postseason. It's like this is, these are the games that they're going to really get up for. These are basically like tournament games for them. So I think it's a little, line's a little inflated. Um, so I might look at the pokes as well. Uh, all right, let's move on. And if you want to add anything else for tonight's card, feel free to do so. But let's move on to tomorrow. Anything that you have circled there, Mike? Well, I mean, we can't just blow past a little swaction, right? It's Monday night swaction. Swaction. Can we get serious now? Oh, yeah, we have swaction. Oh, yeah. You're going to be streaming it on Facebook. I got to get in. You got to send me that link. Uh, how, many were, how, many were, how many were streaming it last week? We were up to like 137. It was a regular block party in there. And then they end up winning the game at the buzzer. And it was it was fun. I had a good time. I ended up losing by the hook. That wasn't so enjoyable. But I'm going to go ahead here and play against an Alcorn State team that's burned me many times this year. I can't for the life of me figure out why they're a five, five and a half point favorite at home against the Florida AM team that's you know first in the SWAC East. MJ Randolph has been basically the, the player of the year in the conference. So I know what I'm getting offensively, but just this quick tidbit, Alcorn State, the last six games they've been favored, their own six against the spread. So I'm not going to go against that trend. I'll go ahead and gobble up the points here. I may even sprinkle on the money line, you know, really make for a lively Facebook live watch party. Are, there, are the comments active? The chat the comment, section lively? The chat section is not only active, but it's like people that are at the game. They're like, where'd you get that uh, stadium cheese for the nachos? And they're like, oh, you got to go to gate three. Like it's that far in the weeds. So if you're looking for some real inside action on these, you know, convention centers that they're playing in, then go ahead and and log on. Or you may have to create a a Facebook account. I think it's the only reason I have not deleted my Facebook account because I don't want to deprive myself of this. I have to reactivate mine. I think mine is deactivated, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, that's incredible. But uh, BJ, I assume that you're, are you going to tell us because you were right on this and I think they just keep covering and losing by single digits. Um, they're one in 21, but you're Delta devils. I believe they're catching double digits again, Mississippi Valley state. Are you recommending your boys? I am not tonight because I don't know if people know this, but they played a four overtime game against uh, Alabama A&M on Saturday. So I will be staying away for them for that fact. But the best game in the SWAC tonight, Southern versus Texas Southern, two best teams. I I like Texas Southern minus two and a half at home. Southern is allowing the highest free throw rate in the country. It's around 50%, which is insane. Uh, Texas Southern gets the free throw line about, I think around a hundredth in the country in that fact. Also, Texas Southern doesn't take a high percentage of three-point shots. They're a, lot, they, a lot of their shots come at the rim. Southern is 349th in the country in two-point field goal percentage is allowing around 68% on shot attempts at the rim. So I think this is a great matchup for uh, the Texas Southern offense, especially at home uh, in a pretty big game uh, for the, you know, to be the, the king of the SWAC. Uh, so I like Texas Southern tonight. Swaction. That's your Swaction report. Thank you for the reminder, Mike. And, uh, now we can move on to Tuesday that we've satisfied all of your selection needs and desires. Uh, what do you got circled? So just looking through, you know, the slate, I, I just wish that Nova was healthier because Providence, I'm just waiting for my spot to hop in and fade the Friars. I mean, we've, 
bang the drum, you know, endlessly. They're first in line. Nine and oh, and games decided by five or less. Got another one on Saturday. But I just don't necessarily see this as actually being the spot. Um, the one I'm interested in on the number, and you brought them up earlier, Michigan State traveling to Happy Valley. Um, I think that could be a, a trap for them. Penn State certainly has been has been difficult to play at home this year. And Jalen Pickett and some of the pieces that they brought in, you know, how, how are they going to mesh together? How is it going to work? I think I've seen enough that if I can get plus money on this, I'm probably going to go ahead and, and take the Nittany Lions. I'm hoping maybe it's in the plus 150 range, something like that, maybe close to two to one. If it's there, I'm going to pull the trigger. Um, for a Michigan State team that just doesn't impress me, there's nothing necessarily that scares me from an offensive perspective about the Spartan. So that's just the, the game that's front of mind for me. Yeah, I agree there. I also think it might be, you know, I, I hate that Indiana, I hate that Wisconsin lost uh, at home to Rutgers, but um, I think it might be a good spot to buy Indiana. I think Wisconsin in general is pretty overrated. Um, and the only other thing that I really had circled, I mean, can Wyoming keep this up? I don't know. Uh, but they're, now you're going to New Mexico. Is this the time to fade them? Potentially. Kentucky-Tennessee should be an incredible game. Tennessee has uh, revenge on their minds from losing by 65,000 points the first time they met. So uh, that should be a good one in a hostile environment. But, uh, yeah, the only other one that I had circled was uh, Cincinnati. Um, You want to Memphis on the road after beating Houston – it's still a team that I think is volatile, and I think you're going to get value with Cincinnati coming off of a loss at Tulsa, um, where I think that was more indicative of their zone offense. It's just a terrible matchup for Cincinnati. Here, I think they can have a little more success. Big letdown spot for Memphis. Um, so I think Cincy might be worth a look as well. BJ, what do you have circled? Well, I have Ohio State circled, but I did find it funny on Saturday. A friend of the program, Jordan Majewski, tweeted, I believe, that what Providence is doing right now is paganistic at this point, which I totally agree with. So I obviously had that circled, but you know, again, the dunk, the dunk is, is crazy right now. Uh, those crowds. So I'll, sure, I'll on, give them credit. They, they are good in these close games because yeah. they're well coached. They're a veteran team, one of the most veteran teams in the country and they can make free throws. They have good free throw shooters in the backcourt. So they can win these really close games, but come on. Yeah. And the market crazy. and the market's not really overreacting to like their luck. Yeah. Like the market is kind of caught up with the Providence. So like if you look at like the St. John's game, they were, they closed, I believe at minus three and a half, you know, only nine yeah. against DePaul. I'm assuming that Villanova was probably going to be minus two and a half minus a three. short, a short headed DePaul team too. Yeah. So it, 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 the market is, is caught up to, to Providence and it's, they're, you know, obviously uh, lining them accordingly, but I'm going to go uh, Ohio state. Uh, I think in a nice blowout spot against Minnesota on Tuesday, the, the Buckeyes are very quietly moving up in the conversation as one of the best teams in the big 10, obviously got a great win against, uh, against their rival Michigan on Saturday. And this is another perfect spot against a really poor Minnesota team. So Ohio state offensively is top 30 in both two point and three point field goal percentage. While Minnesota is in the bottom two of the big 10 in both those categories defensively. Minnesota is also 349th in points per possession allowed in post upsets. Well, that's Ohio State's second most used set and their top 10% in college basketball uh, in points per possession. The Gophers are also really bad in the half court, bottom 15% of college basketball, while Ohio State plays a slow tempo with most of their offense coming in the half court and they're 18th nationally in points per possession there. Minnesota's offensively is just incredibly inefficient uh, per shot quality. 
They're 331st nationally in rim and three-point rate, which are obviously the two most valuable shots in half-court offense. They're also dead last in free throw rate and second to last in offensive rebounding percentage in the Big Ten. So they are truly relying on mid-range jumpers for the most of their offense. So Ken Palm has at Ohio State minus 11. I obviously would love it at that, but I'll play the Buckeyes probably up to minus 13. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned, go back to your Providence point, like just sports betting in general. Like I, I've, I haven't been in college basketball for like coming up on 20 years almost daily. And it is, and this is across all sports, how the market markets get more efficient over time, but it is exponentially more difficult than it was 15 years ago. And you have, a lot of it is because you have sites like, you know, shot quality, Ken Palm. Um, you have just a lot more market awareness of these teams that are lucky. Like I, 10, 10, 12 years ago, this Providence team, which is in first place in the Big East, you know, against DePaul, they would have been minus 13 and a half, for example, the other night. Like now it's like, all right, people know that this team is getting lucky and you have these teams that everyone is aware of and the market is a lot sharper, especially on the open um, than it was uh, 10, 15 years ago. Just an example of how markets over time in every aspect, uh, not just college basketball get efficient over time, but yeah, it's like you're getting crazy uh, inflated lines with Providence, but this is, their luck is, it's going to flip the other way, you would assume eventually. Um, All right, that'll do it for us. A little half hour Valentine's Day episode to help you get through your uh, Monday and post-Super Bowl hangovers. Help you try to find some winners on today and tomorrow's card. Thank you for listening, as always. Thanks to BJ and Mike for joining me. Make sure you check us out on Wednesday. The guys from the Three Man Weave will have their midweek episode. BJ and myself will be back on Friday with the weekend betting preview. Big bets on campus, wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave a review, five-star review. We'll give out a year later this week. Those really help us out. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Cheers.